This is So Say We All. I'm one of your hosts, Jason Ariola. And I'm Stephanie, the other co-host. Host. Whatever. Thing. Person talking. <laughs> you know what? I Hello. Had that, I had that half professional for a second there. I said it, I said it okay. Hey, thanks, Stephanie. <laughs> yeah, you sounded good, and then here I am just throwing out word vomit. <laughs> That's okay. You know, I mean, we... Yeah, anyway. So, also joining us today is guest Saratopian. Hi, Franny. How's it going? Um, a little behind the curtain here. Uh, we are literally just recording this uh, right after the other one, so it's a little weird to be reintroducing ourselves, but hey, here we are. Anyway, <laughs> so we are back, and we're going to be talking about Battlestar Galactica the miniseries Part 2, which is also called Night. Uh, I'll skip the uh, last thing we went through with all the introductions of ourselves with Battlestar Galactica and our interest and love of it, and we'll just get kind of right into talking about this thing. So this one kicks off literally right where we left off with Damascene, uh, what he thinks is his son being killed. Uh, they basically have to resume jump prep, and Starbuck comes back. Her Viper is trashed. Uh, Tyrol fills in Starbuck about Apollo and then asks if uh, she knows about Boomer. And asking about Boomer, we cut back into space and launches a communication drone out of the Raptor. A Boomer talks to one of the kids they picked up about how Boomer lost her parents when she was a little kid, too. A bit of interesting trivia here. Uh, this boy's name is Boxy, who is a reference to a character in the original series. And that they're really throwing a lot of references on this one kid. I feel bad for him. And he also happens to be the son of the officer at the armistice station. I thought that was a little bit like, man, they were really trying to flesh out this boy for the like three words he'll say in the sh- in the show. <laughs> so he's the son of the character. Yeah. Huh. Kind of interesting. I guess, yeah, I never put that together, but I guess he is the kid in the picture then, huh? Yeah, yeah, it's him. That's. I thought that was a little weird. Like I would have never gathered that. I just looked it up because I remember the name Boxy, and I was like, that's a reference, I think, because I had. I think I'd glanced upon the name before and I was like, wait a second. So I looked him up and I was like, oh, are you kidding me? Really? <laughs> he was like, I mean, that really does add to the world building that they put into this series. But yeah. it's also just like, holy coincidental, Batman. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it does kind of add to the sense of just how small the world has gotten. But at the same time, maybe a little too small. Right. Yeah. And while they're in the uh, Raptor, Gaius uh, is seeing Six, and Six is starting to talk to him a little bit, and this is where you think, like, is Gaius crazy? Is something happening? What's going on there? She is an angel of God. Very true. That's exactly what she said. And as you said, she is what she said she is. I think I just said said too many times, and I'm going to go ahead and just blow my head off now. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Just making up for my word vomit. (laughs) That's, uh, yeah, okay, sure, if you say so. I mean, have you listened to me talk? Jesus Christ. Anyway, moving on here. (laughs) So we go back to the Galactica, and there's a slow countdown to the FTL jump, and they manage to get exactly where they need to be, and I like the the jumping in uh, Battlestar. It's just very much this, like, instantaneous, just sort of, like, quick countdown thing and just kind of, like, a weird little, like, woo sort of thing. I I feel like it probably feels like an elevator as it's going down and coming to a stop, basically. Yeah, that's an interesting way to think of it. I I, I think that's comparable because doesn't someone, like, not feel good during jumps or, like, right after jumps? Yeah, that's um, Callie, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was, like... I hate this part. Yeah, there's a lot of people who need to get used to it as the series progresses because they just feel a little woozy afterwards. Yeah, so just kind of the base 
the only reason I kind of interpreted it that way is like the way the camera kind of zooms in and then zooms back out. I just sort of pictured it as like the elevator getting to its place and then kind of rising back up to getting to where exactly it needs to be. It's just this very kind of like, ooh, sort of feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So going to Colonial One, we're going to kind of be bouncing back and forth between Colonial One and Galactica here. Um, Apollo's unconscious. He used the hyperdrive to manipulate the energy coils and puts out something that looks like a nuclear explosion and then sends out an EMP. Um, Yeah, so Rosalind agrees with Apollo that they need to get out there, but um, let's see, they need to leave before the Cylons kind of realize that they made a mistake, so it's kind of like, okay, we should get out of here real, real fast, and Apollo does mention that, you know, this is something they talked about in war games, but it never actually worked and the Cylons figured it out. So it kind of shows that the Cylons aren't like, this perfect machine because, you know, in the humans estimation of what the Cylons would think, they always saw through this and, you know, he put it into practice and they didn't see through it. So it's kind of like this weird thing of like, okay, so the Cylons aren't perfect thinking killing machines. They do occasionally have flaws and leading to a little bit of uh, stuff that goes on down further in the series. So back to the Galactica, turning um, by degrees to make it through the nebula. And I really, Freddie, I don't know about you. This is uh, sort of the uh, like this the like spaceship kind of junkie in me, just watching it like turn like small degrees here and there, just having this like gigantic two kilometer long ship, just making these tiny little incremental thrusts to adjust their heading is just really cool. I thought. Yeah, it's it's really cool. It reminded me a lot of that one story. Do you know that story where it was like a reporter and then there was like the the Navy guy and then they were on a ship and he was a high level guy, I guess, and the sun was in his eyes and he made a phone call and the ship turned just a little bit, just enough for the sun from the porthole to be off the guy's face while he's eating his breakfast. Oh, no, I've never heard that before. Oh, it, it, that, that's kind of what it reminded me of, like this big ship turning a little bit. Just, just to get to that perfect spot. Huh. That's really okay. Yeah, I've never heard that. <laughs> it's just a cool. nice little story. Yeah. All right. So uh, we go to Starbuck, and there's a picture of her Apollo in Zach that she's holding on to. Uh, we get a little moment of spirituality as they see the dead, and Starbuck prays for Apollo. You. This is kind of the first instance that we see of like you're not really sure if if Starbuck is necessarily religious or if she just sort of one of those people who um, you know everyone is religious in a foxhole sort of thing, just sort of praying because it's you know your friend could possibly be dead and you want him to not be dead. So just sort of that grasping for something there to hold on to. So then the Galactica docks with the arm station uh, that they had talked about earlier and. As they're looking around with Chief Tyrol kind of in the lead there, they find a guy and he holds up an assault rifle at Tyrol, which is like, oh, shit, okay, this isn't good. Uh, yeah, so we cut back over to Colonial One, uh, Boomer telling Apollo about the other Viper shutting down. Uh, Gaius goes to meet with Rosalind and Gaius kind of gives that like, oh, um, you know, I, I, I met a lot of people that day. And then Rosalind just as weirdly self-assured and also a little uh, self I don't, I don't want to, I don't really know how to put it, but like, she's sure that no one would know who she is. Cause you know, she says, I'm sure I wouldn't remember me either. You know, realizing that, you know, 43rd in line for the presidency, nobody has any reason at all to know who she is. Unless they work in education. Yeah. 
Yeah. So unless it's you're a fellow school teacher, there's probably no reason you would know who this woman is. And of course, if you're guys, why would you need to know somebody like that when you are, you know, the literal like rock star scientist uh, that the entirety of the human race seems to know? I also think like Gaius was really in like in the defense work. I mean, mm -hmm. his work was heavily with those contractors, like the defense contractors. So I, I, don't, I don't know. Like, I feel like he should have known who like the major players in the government were, although she was down like 40 something, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I don't think she was major by any real so means not, when the government like, was fully functioning. Yeah. So not like Betsy DeVoe where like everyone knows her name, even though like she's just secretary of ed education. Like, maybe, maybe in that world, secretary of education is even further down the line. Well, well, everybody also knows who Betsy Davos is, is because she is a, a horrible human being. There you go. That's <laughs> kind of what I was going to say, but you beat me to it there. <laughs> so it's less that she's the secretary of education and more the fact that she's a terrible person who has no business being in that role. And that's why we all know who she is. Whereas Rosalind was a decent person. Yeah, she was a little shady here and there, but I mean, she kind of had to be in certain situations. Um, but overall, she was a decent person and she was a teacher who had every right to be in that role. So we're comparing apples and oranges just because they have the same technical position within our real world government and this fictional government. <laughs> I kind of I like that fictional government better than the one we've got right now. But anyway, it's just me. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a lot of fictional governments that are better than the real governments right now. That's <laughs> uh, ain't a lot. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah. So while Boomer is back on the or you know, Boomer has gotten on to the Colonial One and then Rosalind asks a Boomer to go check for supplies because the Boomer or because Boomer's ship has limited uh, FTL capabilities. So kind of a handy little thing there. Back to the Galactica, or where the Galactica is anyway, the arms dealer who held up Tyrol, who we later find out is Leoban Kanoi, played by Callum Keith Rennie, a demand safe passage out. Tyrol explains he's there for the ammo, and probably one of my favorite lines from Tyrol throughout this miniseries is, we have over 2,000 people on that ship. If you think you can shoot every single one of us, fine. If not, get the hell out of my way. That's a great line. Yeah. Tyrol really setting himself up as a pretty good badass there when he needs to be. Just a no-nonsense, like, seriously, just get the hell out of here. It's like, you're going to kill me? Fine. But you got to kill every single one of us, otherwise you're going to end up dead too. It's like, we're not interested in you. We are here for the ammunition, okay? Uh, back to Colonial One, Gaius has a vision of six again, and this is where, you know, we're not in... He's not sure if she's real. Maybe she implanted a chip uh, while he was unconscious is one of the things Six suggests. Agaius is trying to figure out how Six got in um, and took down their defenses, and then kind of Gaius wakes up and is a little startled, and you kind of think, like, okay, so what is going on with Six? You, we, I want to say we kind of figure it out later on down the road, but at the same time, we also don't really get a definitive answer outside of, um, uh, Stephanie, what? She's an angel of God. There we go. <laughs> So on the Galactica, Adama's walking around with uh, with the guy. A warhead falls over. Adama and the arms dealer uh, are separating from the rest. And then Adama has the arms dealer lead the way out of the, um, like, what would you call that? Like a capsule, it sort of looks like, of sorts. Well, that's what I thought it was. And then it has, like, another exit out. So I don't really know what the hell that was they were getting into. It looked maybe... like they were just kind of going into a maintenance hallway or something like that. Okay, yeah. Yeah, maybe like a machine room or something like that. 
Mm-hmm. I just initially had gotten the indication that it was like a cr- not a crate, but you know, like those gigantic crates, like a shipping yeah, crate. Yeah, when they you put first on see it, it does give that impression. Yeah. What were you saying, Frank? Container for at first too, like you know, with the, those giant containers where you store things in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was but my thought. It was weird because there was another way out. Maybe it and was it led into a hallway or into a, that that maintenance-looking room, which is why I figured it was just some weird hatch into a hallway. Yeah. Maybe it was at some point, and then they just uh, cut the end of it off and built it into the hallway or something? I don't know. I'm thinking too hard about this. The Vanessa would tell me to stop it's thinking about it. It's not our Earth. Yeah. So... Yeah. Vanessa would tell me to stop thinking about it, so I will uh, do just that. <laughs> anyway, uh, back to Colonial One. Um, Roslyn is walking with a ship's captain who uh, gives her word that they're going to look out for the botanical cruiser that she's on and their needs. Um, this is probably, I would say, the weakest moment in the miniseries, where she sits down with an obvious emotional heartstring puller little girl, um, and I'm kind of like, eh, this is a little too obvious what you guys are going to end up doing to this kid here in a, in a little bit. It Just a little, yeah. yeah. One of the few instances where, again, I feel like this the miniseries kind of, this might even be like the only instance I can really think of where the miniseries kind of like stumbled a little too much. Yeah, that whole... The whole scene was drawn out. I wouldn't necessarily say it was unnecessary, but it was definitely a little bit more convoluted than it really needed to be. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Boomer uh, jumps back, says she found some fuel, and they need to get the people off the ships without FTL so they can leave. Boomer brings back some more supplies. Silent ship kind of jumps in and then jumps back out. And... The group on board Colonial One has a debate about trying to save more people off the ships without FTL. And, you know, like, the military people know, like, no, 100%, they saw us, they're out of here, we need to leave now. Whereas civilians are kind of hemming and hawing a little bit about it, um, because leaving them, thousands die, but but it saves tens of thousands. Uh, You know, somebody points out that it's a numbers game, and they're literally talking about the survival of the human race. So Rosalind orders them to jump immediately. And during this kind of scene, Rosalind uh, tells Billy she has cancer. And then Billy is like, I know I've been paying attention to you. I get little cl- like clues here and there from you about this. And then um, just before they jump, Billy guilts her about the little girl. And Rosalind turns around and says, thank you. Like, great. I really needed that. Thanks a lot, kid. <laughs> <laughs> So the captain tells uh, his fleet to prepare for the jump. The chatter over the intercom about leaving them behind is, uh, let's say, a little negative. Uh, you know, I hope you rot in hell. Uh, how could you do this to us, you monster? <laughs> it's like, that's not going to be ringing in their ears for years to come, I'm sure. Uh, one captain asks to know where they're going so they can try to follow in sublight. Um, and Apollo stops the captain from telling them because... If the Cylons came and captured them, they would all know, or the Cylons would know where the humans are going. Also, I, I did forget to mention, one of the people arguing for them staying is Doral, who, at this point, we just know as the a Weasley little tour guide. And you do kind of wonder, knowing what you know at the end of the episode, if he was arguing for staying so they could get wiped out. Well, you just kind of gave up what you find out at the end of the episode just yeah. by the way you phrase that. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping people are wa- are listening to this as a supplementary to the show and not in <laughs> lieu of the show. Yeah. I mean, I would sure hope so, too. Yeah. Yeah. But I will admit that um, my latest time watching this, um, I didn't remember exactly who all the Cylons were. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
pretty much it was always I remembered like five minutes before they were revealed with the first uh, how many do they first reveal uh, the first four. So basically the ones in the miniseries. Yeah. I only remembered six and then a handful of other ones. Yeah. He was one of the ones that I remembered like right before the reveal. <laughs> yeah. They do a very good job of hiding that reveal until the very like last kind of second that you realize like, Oh, okay. Well, he definitely, definitely is that. And uh, yeah. I can't remember what phrase it was, but there was just like a line of his where all of a sudden I'm like, Oh yeah, that's right. He's a Cylon. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, knowing what you know about that, it put that in perspective for me. Like, watching him do this the first time would have never given it any thought. Just a weasley little shit trying to be nice, basically. Mm. But knowing he's a Cylon, you're like, oh, okay, he's literally trying to leave behind the person in power and a ton of other ships. This way the Cylons can come and just wipe them out in one fell swoop. Right. That is definitely what it seems like he's doing, especially because he is a Cylon that knows he's a Cylon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's not one of the un inactive ones, unactivated ones. Right. Yeah, yeah, the ones that haven't been activated yet. So, yeah, uh, in case you don't know, uh, as the show goes on, we find out some characters are Cylons, and they don't even know they're Cylons. So, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's a weird, weird game that uh, we end up having to play here further down the road. But what do you mean? As it goes on, it kind of happens in this episode. Very true. Very true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, except we don't really know how many of the characters are, and eventually, yeah. and, and they don't even, a lot of them don't even know they're Cylons, so, mm-hmm. yeah, and there's some Yeah, that, we know before they do in this episode. Yeah, yeah, which is kind of fascinating in some points, but yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, so as Apollo counts down, the Cylons show up on Dratus, and Rosalind hears the chatter over the radio as they jump, leaving the rest of the fleet to their, um, well, death. And there goes that little girl and her cute little stuffed bunny. Goodbye, obvious, uh, you know, heartstring tugger. Which, therefore, did not really render much heartstringing. No, not at all. Especially, like, I really didn't find that little girl very charming. You know, I as the as the only parent here, I normally, like, anything with kids, I'm kind of like, oh, kind of latch on to this. I was even like, oh, God, really? Okay, come on. <laughs> yeah, you could tell right away that she was going to be sacrificed. Yeah, totally. I did think this was a nice parallel compared to the previous hard choice where the Galactica had to vent their, vent their uh, systems and lose 80-some people. And this this is like the civilian counterpart where they yeah. have to leave people behind. So it was a nice yeah. parallel. I hadn't actually considered that. We did already have the military sacrifice. Now we've got the civilian yeah. sacrifice. Yeah. It, was, it, was, it was a little like heartstring plea thingy, but like... Regardless of the emotional component, I think like, like I like to see patterns. So like you know, I had a pattern here, and now I see it again here. So it just kind of reinforces this. There's it's a numbers game. There's gonna be hard choices, and you know it's kind of nice to see that. Yeah, I can consider that either, Franny. That's a good point, and I yeah. So the the civilians had to make their choice too there. Mm-hmm. And we now we know what choice they made. The was same it? as the military. Yeah, yeah. When push comes to shove, you just sort of have to think of it as a numbers game. Yeah. Oh boy! All the right. needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Right, and maybe this is just a reflection on humanity. Like we don't know how the Cylons would have reacted. Hmm. 
Well, I think we do know they probably would have went with the numbers game as well as because they're cool and calculating <laughs> yeah. and they can regenerate, you know, <laughs> so there's that too. But mm-hmm. are we any better than the silence? Maybe we were the monsters all along. I hate myself for saying that anyway. <laughs> Especially because that's part of the point of the series. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah. I mean, I guess that was part of the series or the point of the series before that uh, point was just driven into the ground by every show possible. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, this was uh, 15 years ahead of the curve on that, so that's at least something. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, so back to you, uh, Adama and the arms dealer. Uh, you can see his condition it keeps getting worse, and I do love Adama's uh, gun dealer philosopher, right? As he's kind of spouting just, you know, philosophical nonsense. Uh, you know, humans are maybe not worthy of being saved. And then you kind of think about it, you're like, oh, this harkens back to a lot of what Adama was saying. Like, are we a species worth saving? And it's weird having somebody who is going to be revealed as silent here very shortly, but having him tell you that after Adama said it, it's like, this is hitting a little too close to home and specifically what Adama said in that speech. So was this reported back and then somehow relayed to him or what happened or was this kind of a coincidence there? I mean, one of the characters that is eventually revealed was at that speech. Mm hmm. And while at this point they don't know that they are a Cylon or not, um, they were being controlled in a sense and sending messages and stuff like that. Uh, Or at least it's kind of implied that way. Are we talking about the character that gets revealed at the end of the episode? Yeah. Okay. But also, um, Doral was at that speech, too. Yeah. Yeah. That's and, right, and he is fully aware of it. Yeah. I forgot he was at that speech. That's, that's okay. That's all that I have to say on that, is I completely forgot he was there. That's okay. I, uh, I, I feel like that's his character. You kind of forget he's there most of the time. <laughs> most of the time, you really do. And I, I swear, sometimes they forgot that he was a Cylon, too. And Oh, yeah, that's right. We've got another one to use. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, but, uh, yeah, I forgot about that guy. Okay. <laughs> actually, I think the doctor one gets forgotten about more than... Uh, more than he does but uh yeah okay i forgot about that one anyway let's yeah. move on before we spoil every time too much i'm listing down. off cylons i'm always like i'm one short who am i missing and it always <laughs> is the doctor <laughs> oh, okay so it's not even the nerdy uh, tour guide who's completely forgettable it's always the doctor which is a weird one <laughs> i don't even think that he's a forgettable one either it's just they don't use him that much <laughs> yeah yeah it's very true so all right anyway um yeah so I they're spoiler no that's okay don't worry about it (laughs) like i said at this point like we're gonna go out of our we're gonna try to not get too far ahead but you know if we happen to get a spoiler territory this is a you know uh, 17 year old series yeah 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 i mean again i'm I'm hoping that people if they're watching this for the first time it's supplementary Mm -hmm. and not like oh in lieu of because that would be real real dumb and you are (laughs) really missing out on a real treat of a show here so anyway Jason doesn't do the uh, the the drum music any justice with his. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> hey hey hey! Come on, <laughs> leave me alone! Come on, I just host a video game music podcast. Thank you very much. Anyway, uh, so back to the Galactica. Uh, uh, kind of suddenly 50 ships show up on radar and turned out to be the colonial fleet as they kind of panic for a second there. <laughs> they're like, oh shit! Like what just happened? And it's like, oh, they're all. They're, they're, they're human ships after all. That's okay. Um, and I do like Colonel Ty's. You can see he is good at being in command because they get the colonial signature call. I don't know what you would really call it. And he immediately tells you, don't just, you know, don't just trust it blindly. Go for verification. Because I think in that sense, they're all kind of hoping like, oh, thank God there's more humans left outside of us. 
but you know Colonel Ty is very distrusting at the moment, realizing that you know we're on the verge of being wiped out. We need to question everything that happens, especially after a you know surprise attack that wiped out mm, let's say ninety five percent of humanity. <laughs> right. Yeah. So uh, Rosalind comes aboard and flexes her muscle for uh, the fifty thousand refugees they have, uh, and this is where the line comes up that I, I adore from Rosalind is the war is over and we've lost. And it's just that very hitting moment that a military person must like the, the suit basically makes that decision that it doesn't matter what your warrior pride wants to do. This is over and we're done because I'm, you know, the Galactica hasn't even been in the fight yet. And Colonel Ty is trying to get the ship armed and you have, you know, what they see as a school teacher just a few uh, hours ago is now in charge of you and saying like, this is over. You don't even get to fire a shot, really, in in offense. Like, this is over. We can't do this anymore. And I think that just adds insult to injury, too, is that she was just the Secretary of Education. So it's like, what what point do you have to make this statement? And in all actuality, she probably had a lot more history under her belt than they would give her credit for. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've talked about it a little bit on the last episode, but Rosalind is just this incredibly competent person. I don't want to say badass, but I think because I think that gets labeled a little too much on on again. If I'm misspeaking, please just shut me the hell up. But I feel like that gets thrown on women who are just absolutely competent in their job, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just like, yeah. oh, it's because it's a woman. So she's a badass. It's like, no, she is just a hundred percent competent human being and. I don't think you need to make that distinction because just because she's a female, like she is just a competent person. She is the civilian version of Adama in a way, except she's mm-hmm. never had that point of command before that, that he has. Had. Right. Okay. I didn't want to be misspeaking as the uh, male voice on the podcast. Like, like, no, just because she's a woman, like, that's not how I feel like, Oh, she's a woman. So she can't be a badass. No, it's just, you can't call somebody no, a I badass. Understand, just because cause if, if Rosalind's role had been a man, we wouldn't think anything of it other than, okay, he's acting the way he should. And so the fact that she does get labeled that way very frequently is simply because she is a woman instead. Yeah. Not, so, not clutching yeah, her your, pearls. Your, your statement makes sense. <laughs> okay, good. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't uh, coming across as a misogynistic jackass. So, <laughs> no, I mean, you... She is an extraordinary leader, though. Absolutely. Um, and there are times where she is pretty damn badass. But overall... She's just a very competent person. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's all you need is competency. Because, yeah. Uh, so Apollo uh, does ask for disaster pods for us. And then Colonel Ty, I love his reaction, turns around and just says, us? <laughs> like, <laughs> wait a second here. You're one of us, not one of them, you little shit. But anyway, so Ty agrees. And Apollo and Rosalind kind of share a, like a glance at each other. <laughs> As a oh thank God you did that. Um, Tyrol and Boomer reunite, not even trying to hide their relationship. Now they are just like sucking face real real hard because you know literally when again ninety eight percent of humanity has been wiped out and you the one person you were in love with uh, you know is still there. You're like oh okay well this is odd. I, I'm not even gonna try to hide a relationship at this point. I completely understand that. Mm-hmm. So Billy is walking around with Gaius and she runs into Duala and she just plants one on him and. Yeah, takes him to the CIC because uh, he's been looking for it and he's lost again. <laughs> yeah, I you know I I guess if I was him and I, I I had D come up to me just like lay one on me like that, I'd probably be a little like, huh, what happened? <laughs> <It's>... 
who am I? Who are you? <laughs> the pretty girl likes me. <laughs> yeah, anyway, yeah, speaking of uh, not terribly competent, that's Billy at times. I mean, he's good at his job, but he's very, uh, I don't want to say flaky, but kind of head in the clouds at times with that stuff. He is a little bit uh, uh, naive. There you go. That's a, Yeah, it's a good way to put it. He's smart, but he's not wise in the ways of the world, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Idealistic. There you Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, poor Billy. I feel bad for that guy <laughs> sometimes. I do, too. Yeah, he doesn't know what he's getting himself into. Anyway, uh, Apollo tracks down Starbuck, and they're obviously happy to see each other. And this is one of my favorite things that Katie Sackhoff is very good at, is a smile that is barely containing the level of joy she's feeling. Like, that is, I, as far as I'm concerned, that is an incredible feat of acting. Just that, like, absolutely just giddy and joyful, but barely holding it back and because I, I think you can swing and just take it for the fences with being joyful and giddy that that person is there but being able to contain it a little bit as that character I think is really we've talked about this in the last episode where Katie Sackhoff is just perfect as Starbuck she really is yep. I and I have a feeling that is probably a statement we'll make multiple times Yes, uh, well, probably multiple times in this in this episode alone. So <laughs> there's a scene later coming up that we'll that we'll get there. But anyway, so uh, Leo Bond, the arms dealer, uh, looks terrible, and I I do adore Adama's. Must be your allergies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we find out the storm that they're in has this effect on Cylons, uh, and this is a safe haven for humans for uh, you know a time being anyway, and. Leoban says it won't save them, won't even give them a headache for how long it'll take to destroy them once they go through the storm. And Leoban explains how his consciousness will go into another body. Adama calls his bluff on him, saying that if you could have, you would have already. I think this storm is screwing with you, and once you die here, you are dead for good. Um, unfortunately, he doesn't know that there's already multiples of this guy, basically. So, yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of unfortunate. Uh, fights. Uh, there's a fight that with him, and Adama just... I don't want to say, like, puts up a really good fight, but, you know, you, you see how incredibly strong these Cylons are by picking Adama up off his feet by his neck. And and then Adama just absolutely destroys him with a flashlight. I mean, of all the weapons that I would have thought would have gotten used, a flashlight to bludgeon this guy's, or this bludgeon this guy to death is not the way I was expecting him to go down. <laughs> you improvise. Very true. And Adama is the badass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, yeah, a badass fits very well with Adama because he's, you know, very stoic and a good commander. And then he, you know, killed a Cylon with a flashlight. It's like, okay, it's, it's, you can qualify that as badass, I would say. <laughs> uh, so Agata and Gaius go over how the Cylons may have used Gaius's navigation program to disable the ships. The Galactica has that program, but it's never been installed, and this is an instance where sometimes waiting until the bugs get worked out of the new OS is the better way to go. I'm looking at you, iOS 14. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, Gaius wants uh, all remnants of the code destroyed just to be safe, also covering his own ass in the process. Uh, so, Gata brings up the guilt Gaius must feel, and, you know, this is where... Um, Gaius kind of has another vision of Six, and he's going along with that, yeah, he feels guilty about it, that's something he created, uh, you know, hurt so many people, or, you know, killed so many people, and then Six calls him on his bluff, basically like, you, she's like, no, that's one of the things I love about you, you don't feel guilty, it's like, ugh, like, <laughs> kind of giving a little bit more of an indication of what a 
what a Weasley piece of shit Gaius can be when it boils when you boil right down to it. And more worrisome that that might be a uh, mirror on myself at times when I see the survival mode instincts kicking in Gaius. So. Six points out a silent device on top of the Dratus, and that leads to Gaius kind of deducing that there's another silent on board the ship. Gaius goes up to the Dratus to kind of peek around and look at it, and Six doesn't know what it is either, or is at least feigning to not know what it is. Gaius has to figure out a way to warn them without letting them know he's literally been sleeping with the enemy for two years now. And then this is where Six kind of starts doing this weird uh, kind of sexy time thing with Gaius and... I can only kind of imagine how this must look to an outsider where Gaius is literally throwing his head back like, oh, you know, it's just like, okay, what is going on with this guy? I really love the fact that every time we do see one of his one of his conversations with Angel Six, that it's totally like Fight Club (laughs) where you see him doing this stuff to himself. Uh, There's a scene in one of the episodes later on where she's like beating him up. And it very briefly cuts to a person walking past him in the hallway. Do you see him like throw himself against a wall? <laughs> um, and I just love the fact that that is clearly what's going on when she's sexing him up is he's just feeling himself up <laughs> and things like that. Uh, boy, that's got to be uncomfortable. Yeah, like I said, that's got to be and really there is weird. There's a time where Starbuck walks in and she's like, oh, sorry, I interrupted. <laughs> Didn't mean to. It's like it's like you know. It's like doesn't anybody knock anymore? Jeez. Uh, anyway, uh, so Doral uh, interrupts this moment of uh, intimacy, we'll say, and Gaius uh, immediately looks at him and is like, "Oh, I could implicate him as the Cylon." And I do enjoy uh, Six. I don't remember seeing him at any of the Cylon meeting or any of the Cylon parties. And besides, he doesn't seem like the type. <laughs> Just like, mm, okay. I actually think that was the line that made me remember he was a Cylon. <laughs> it's really cheesy when you think about it. It's like, what the hell? It's like, okay. It's, but at the same time, it really speaks to like just how good like I, I feel like Trisha Helfer is at portraying Six. It's just very much like coy and just, I don't want to say kind of like that, like a coy sex kitten in, in some parts where she's just like, oh, well, I've never seen him there. It's like, okay, let's just... Yeah, she's a remarkable character in this thing. She's and very good at manipulating Gaius. Yeah, you could almost say guys in general there. Yeah, you, you definitely could. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I was going to say she could probably manipulate me into some things too, you know? It's like a <laughs> six-foot bombshell. It's like, yeah, okay, cool. I, I mean, really, she's good at manipulating people in general, as we do later find out. That, yeah, very uh, true. That, that she has a general appeal to the libidos of people. Very true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that now that you mentioned that. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right. So Guy tries to figure out how uh, he can implicate him because, um, as Six points out, no one knows that like silence look like humans now. 
And conveniently, and this is probably the other instance of, like, convenient timing is a little too convenient, uh, we cut to the body of Leo Bond being drug aboard the Battlestar, and Ty says, things just get worse and worse. Now the Cylons look like us. It's like, oh, come on. Like, just maybe put a scene in between there so at least break it up so it's not quite so smacking you in the face with it. But yeah, Remember, whatever. she is a messenger of God. It's very of true. Of course the timing is perfect. Very true. Okay. My mistake <laughs> for questioning a messenger of God. Uh, so Adama and Ty are uh, thinking about what that could mean. Ty tells Adama that Apollo was alive after all. And Apollo was looking at a picture of his mom, him, and Zach in Adama's quarters. Apollo tries to like kind of take off. Doesn't really want to have a talk, but Adama ropes him in for a hug. It's still a bit awkward, but it's nice seeing Adama just have that moment of humanity with his son. Especially realizing that, you know, most of humanity is gone and my son is still alive. So I should probably appreciate this moment here. It's it's a humanizing moment for Adama that we don't get very often in the series, I feel. I mean, we literally just watched, watched him brain a Cylon in with a flashlight. So getting this nice human moment here with the son is kind of like, okay, cool. This is still a person. next scene is the cyclone that adama killed as we mentioned before is leoban everything about him appears human they they mention uh gaia sees his chance and i'm not sure i think he fakes fighting synthetic tissue compounds and then he adama and uh ty kind of reveal that he was a cylon and then uh you know Guys kind of does this, like, <gasps> uh, you know, like, and clutches his pearls as he finds it, or, you know, pretends to, like, be surprised that he's a Cylon or whatever. Like, oh, it's like, no oh, this is... Way. yeah Yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, come on. <laughs> Again, maybe maybe this, like, little thing is a little too convenient and everything, and a little too obvious, but, uh, you know, uh, as you said, uh, no one is It's to... part of God's plan, Jason. Yes, it is. Okay, God. As, <laughs> I uh, can't uh, mimic her without wanting to laugh. I know, I know. And as two uh, sort of reformed Catholics, we both probably feel a little weird about saying that. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, we both are, aren't we? <laughs> yes, we are. All right, um... So Starbuck uh, starts going out on a recon mission outside of the like the nebula storm. Uh, before she goes, she confesses to Apollo that Zack failed flight school, but she passed him because of their relationship. And Apollo is kind of weirded out that she's confessing this. And, you know, Starbuck and another wonderful line. And there's so many wonderful lines in this series, but it's the end of the world. Lee. I thought I should confess my sins. It's just like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, when you're literally, like, we're, we're literally seeing all of humanity in just these few, uh, just groupings of characters, basically. We're seeing most of humanity in these. And just to have that sort of revelation that, you know, we might not be around much longer because literally everyone is dying left and right. So maybe we should just, I should just come clean to you so you don't hold a grudge against your father. That's something that um, Starbuck is not very good at, is admitting when she's wrong and... 
helping deflect blame off somebody else when she's at fault. She struggles with that constantly throughout the series. Yeah. <sighs> so we... Well, now we get to see Doral, poor Doral, well, sort of poor Doral, uh, is arrested. Uh, Ty questions guys about him being a Cylon. And I do love that uh, guys is kind of going over this, uh, you know, scientific mumbo jumbo of sorts. And Ty is looking at the papers and everything like, uh huh, uh huh. And then he's like, I'll just <laughs> trust you. <laughs> just like clearly, like, I don't know what the hell all this is, but I'm just going to go ahead and trust your judgment on this because I don't know what you're saying. You do a pretty good impersonation. <laughs> Well, I do a very good impersonation of somebody being clueless is the problem. <laughs> you said that, not me. I did. Absolutely. I'm 100% on board with admitting I'm a dum-dum. So anyway. <laughs> so uh, Doral, as they're leaving, like is screaming. He's human. He's insisting on it. And then Gaius sets him up for the Cylon uh, device being on the Dreadus, saying, like, oh, I've noticed him poking around the Dreadus. And then, you know, I say, what, is, what are you talking about? No, no, you're setting me up. It's like, eh, eh, a little, little do you know he's actually setting you up. But at the same time, it probably we find out probably actually might have been uh, Doral doing this, although it could have been the other character that we get revealed at the end of the episode. But let's wait till we get there. Uh, Ty sort of chews out Gaeta about not reporting that he noticed the device showing up about a week ago. But at the same time, he sort of takes the blame on himself as well, showing that, again, he is a good leader, even if he's a little, um, let's say, flaky with his alcoholism. And he says that everyone should have noticed it, including himself, the XO. So he has D take it to Gaius to go evaluate it. And then Starbuck gets to the edge of the storm and sees a whole shitload of Cylon ships, which is a little scary to see because there's there's a ton of them. I don't know how many there are. She does kind of go over here in another scene, but... There's a lot, and it's obviously way more than there are human ships. reveal who planted that device i don't think they do i don't think they do i think they imply it in um in the next or i think it's the next episode where the character that gets revealed at the end of this episode um <laughs> starts having her awakening or she awakens in weird spots right so i think the implication is there that it's that that it's that person but at the same time i don't know if they ever actually explicitly say who planted that it was my assumption it's that person as well but i just i can't remember them ever explicitly saying it yeah and it probably was meant to just be interpreted as it's one of the many things she's been doing in her memory blackouts yeah yeah so billy runs down the needs of the fleet to Roslyn, including a prisoner ship and there's a little like back and forth there for a second about letting the prisoners die or whatever and Rosalind is not having that because they need all the people they can get still and she even says no mysterious deaths or that prisoner ship will be without the Galactica's protection. So it's like, okay, she, she's, again, a very good leader and cares about people, which is something I wish the leadership in our country had at the moment. But unfortunately, we've got what we've got. So, yeah. 
she really caring about people or is she playing the numbers game? Because the theme of this seems to be very much babies. Okay. You know what? That's a good point, Franny. But at the same time, that is, um, that's even a numbers game we're not playing with the current, uh, what we've got. So it's not even a numbers game with that. At one point, she actually says, we need to start making babies. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that's uh, very, very, that's actually in this scene here. (laughs) I'm not entirely convinced that's the only reason why she doesn't want the prisoners harmed, though. Although, in a few episodes, I think she may come to regret that, but... (laughs) Yeah, Uh, why would you bring that up, Stephanie? I can't understand why. I mean, anyway. (laughs) Because the original Apollo is a jerk. (laughs) Oh, maybe. Just, anyway, uh, so... (laughs) Okay, so again, this is another one of my things of like Rosalind being so incredibly like smart and competent is she sits Adama down and asks, are you planning to stage a coup? And just, he says no. And basically, this is her play at trying to get him to acknowledge her as leader, which is something that comes into play a little bit later too. And again, this is like, that is just a hell of a way to broadside your your military leader and admit that no like i understand what you want to do but i'm in charge you unless you're planning on staging a coup i'm in charge and him saying no is like just him saying no okay yeah you're in charge without him actually having to say it because she just sort of manipulated him into saying it or she understood that that was also the better way to get him to say it yeah yeah I, I, like I said, I, I think you can maybe interpret Rosalind a few different ways sometimes. Sometimes she seems like she's a little um, skeevy and manipulative. She's a politician, but at the same time, you feel like she does have humanity's best interest in mind, and she almost feels like she's outthinking everybody. She's multiple steps ahead of everybody's line of thinking at almost all times, and it's kind of astounding just because of, again, just how competent she is and just how good she is at thinking ahead of people. Mm-hmm. Brian, were you going to say something? I'm sorry. Oh, oh no. I was just thinking, um, um, being reminded about how she was saying how she wanted to get out of politics, but she kept getting dragged along and didn't. Hmm. And maybe maybe that's, that does kind of speak to her character, because I, don't, I, I honestly don't believe you can get into high-level politics without compromising yourself. I agree with that, and I think... Um... I, I, I think she says she didn't want to be in it, but I think she got a yeah. kick yeah, out I of it. Yeah, I think she said she didn't want to be in it. She, she, she wanted to get out, but she was with the current president for uh, since he was like a mayor or something, and mm-hmm. she just kept getting dragged along. Yeah, and at some point you can back out and say no thanks, but yeah. They I think- do eventually have a flashback scene to where she agrees to really join in with his presidential campaign, though, and... And she basically does throw it all to the wind of like, okay, yeah, I've accepted this is who I am now. So, yeah, I'll keep going with it. Yeah. I think she I think she learned that about herself as that process happened. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of the reason why I uh, Rosalind did want Adama to basically say that is because he wants to get back into the fight. But Rosalind tells him they need to run. This is about survival now and not about trying to fight back against the Cylons because they stand no chance at all. One battle star against every single Cylon, they stand zero chance. And this is where, uh, Franny, as you said before, this is where they, or Rosalind says, if they have any hope of survival, they need to leave the system and start having babies. 
numbers game. Yep. She's walking a line of it being strictly a numbers game and also it being she might not care genuinely too much about humans, but she does care about the survival of the species. So it's sort of this, let's say, how to put it, um, a little off the emotional chain a little bit there, but trying to keep it there a little bit and just realizing, like, I can't get too emotional because of how small we are now. I mean, literally, she is now the, she's the president of every single human being, but that, but human beings are now, you know, um, the size of a small city at best. Yeah, isn't it under 100,000? It's 50-something thousand right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're talking, like, big town, small city, you know? like So she's effectively a mayor with a military. <laughs> <sighs> but, yeah, I mean, that's kind of like most municipalities with their police forces. But anyway, just not with a battle the star. The world is awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thankfully, thankfully uh, our local police departments don't have a battle star. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, we'd probably be in a lot more trouble than we are. Anyway, uh, so um, Starbuck reports... That she sees at least two base stars, which are the best way I can put it as far as like if you're a, like a Star Wars person, it is two like uh, Calmarian cruisers or up against a Star Destroyer. That is like the size of a battle star is like the Calamari cruisers and the base star is effectively a Star Destroyer. Base stars outgun a battle star. And that's kind of, I think, the easiest way to interpret that. And each of those has squadrons of fighters and drone detachments. And it basically seems like they're waiting for them. And I don't remember who said it or who said what, but one, um, either Adama or Ty says, how do they find us? And the other response doesn't really matter. They got us. And it's just sort of that thing of like, it do, like we can't sit here and think about how we got into this position. We have to figure out how to get out of this position at the moment. And that leads into something that happens in, a, um, um, in the very beginning of the series. And we'll kind of leave it at that for the time being. Uh, they're trying to figure out how they can jump out without endangering the civilian fleet. And there's a lot of assumption about the Cylons uh, maybe only being after the Galactica because they seem to assume that maybe they don't know the rest of the civilian fleet is there. But that seems like way too dangerous of, a, of an assumption when there's 2,000 people on the Galactica and 48,000 of the rest of humanity out on the rest of the ships, basically. Adama sees Billy and uh, D kind of flirting with each other and realizes Rosalind was right and that they need to start having babies and that the war is over. So the Galactica will come out and hold off the Cylon so the civilians can jump out with the Galactica falling once they've all jumped. Um, and one of the like, nice little throwaway scenes I thought was uh, they dump off Doral at the arm station with uh, some supplies to survive. All the, as uh, Colonel Ty puts it, all the comforts of home. <laughs> <laughs> So this is, Franny, I'm sure uh, this is probably yours too. This is probably my favorite scene in the miniseries is just this battle sequence here. I, I adore it. It is, oh yes, it's so good. So Gata gets the jump coordinates to Adama and the fleet gets a move on. And there's that heavy percussion, just the real solid war drums going on. The Galactic gets battle ready and starts a suppression barrage. Just I adore watching just this barrage going and the Cylons getting their line pushed back. The Vipers coming out, and they're only to attack the fighters. Uh, even without the abilities to shut them down, the Cylons are still taking out a good number of the Vipers. Apollo ends up getting hit, and then Starbuck sees that and goes to help him out, saving him just as the missile was going to hit him. Um, the Galactica keeps taking a lot of hard hits through this section, giving you an indication of just how tough these battle stars are. They are meant to take damage. And, and I hate to say this again, but that terrible battleship movie where they say, like, 
they don't have these big battleships anymore because these were designed to take hits, right? So mm-hmm. that, again, like I thought, well, it's a battle star, so it's like a starship, and it's designed to take hits, and it's just really nice to see like something that's more tanky than just like ooh weird energy shields. <laughs> yeah, and you know, come to think of it, there aren't really shields in this universe, are there? No, no, there's not. It's it's very tanky. Like, yeah. It's very solid. Yeah. It's, it's a nice it's a nice uh, type of sci-fi. It's all kind of I don't want to say like as grounded in reality as you could possibly get for a ship that uh, has uh, you know uh, FTL capabilities, but you know it it's nice getting that really visceral, just hard hitting stuff in these things. Yeah, yeah. Not like, only is it FTL, it's magic teleporting FTL. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and magic gravity, but you know. Yeah, magic gravity too. Yeah. We don't know how gravity works in this part of the galaxy, right? But it's <laughs> nice to have something like solid, like something right. like heavy, tanky. Yeah. I, I really just love seeing all of the fire, especially when they pulled away for that scene where all of the fire is coming from the base star and coming from the base star and from Galactica. And just that, holy shit, the barrages they are sending out at each other. It is just, wow. Again, it's like a military kind of dork. That is one of my favorite things about this. It's just the space battles and these things. They have weight to them. And I feel that's something a lot of sci-fi kind of lacks is weight in battles. Yeah, it's not just laser beams hitting off of off of force fields and weakening it down until they can actually make a direct hit. There is actual projectile being launched back and forth and there's real velocity behind them and things like that. Yeah, and like even the the little viper fight. When you look at them, you have a very good feel of like, you know, the old dog fights on on biplanes, right? Like yeah. you have those like sweeping things and you have that uh feeling of I don't know, like something exciting like the, the exciting part of the fight which is you know kind of a bad way if you think about it but <laughs> it, it is very exciting yeah but those types of battles are also one of the reasons why i love babylon 5 is because they also put a uh, an element of realism into the space battles even though they do have more magical weapons they aren't all like that and they do still have that same element of realism where things hit each other and there is actual thought to how the little like radar types are actually out there piloting around and it it just these types of shows make me think you know how does no one in star trek universe have these (laughs) it seems so much more practical than the big ships always going up against other big ships yeah i fighter pilots that's what i was trying to say when i said pilots oh there we go (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I completely lost what words I was trying to say with that. That's okay. We've spoken a lot of words today, so I completely understand that. All right, let's let's keep going because we're almost done here. And I want to say, unfortunately, because again, my favorite scene in this miniseries here is probably this, as far as that goes. But so, as the Galactica is taking the hits, the Cylon starts attacking the landing bays, knowing that the Vipers won't be able to roll back in if they do that, because they know how important the Vipers are to the Galactica's survival. The Galactica calls back the Vipers as the last of the civilian ships jump. Adama calls Starbuck and does the little banter, uh, you know, what do you hear? Nothing but the rain. So get your gun and bring home the cat or whatever line that they share with themselves. And 
boy oh boy uh starbuck does something insane apollo tells her to leave him and instead starbuck pulls this maneuver and just rams into him uh sort of joining their ships together and this little banter back and forth here of uh, apollo as he's being uh, you know thrust backwards uh, you know, screaming at Starbuck, we're coming in a little hot, don't you think? And then uh, Starbuck, no, not really, as she kind of tries to smile, but kind of more grimaces at their prospects of survival at this point. <laughs> of course, Starbuck does manage to get them on board because uh, she's the best of the best of the, of the pilots there. And then the Galactic jumps out just as the Cylons converge on them. So after that scene there, we have a funeral for all those who have died. And this is kind of where the name of the show comes from. Adama hears the very despondent, so say we all, and turns around and says it with some real force as he looks over them, basically making them almost into a war cry of so say we all. Uh, he gives a speech about how dire the situation might seem, but that there's hope. And that hope is finding Earth. And then, you know, just does a so say we all thing. And it's just like, man, oh man, like Adama's an inspiring leader. You, you got to admit, even if it is all bullshit, basically. <laughs> So say we all. Oh, God, Stephanie. <laughs> all right. So uh, Ty comes to apologize to Starbuck. Um, a good turn of the cheek, but Starbuck ends up really not wanting to do anything with his apology and says, you're a bastard, you're weak, and you're a drunk. It's like, okay, well, that, you know, I think in a, I want to say a lesser show, this would have been the turning point for Starbuck and Ty, where they would have been a little bit more buddy-buddy with each other, but... Battlestar doesn't pull a lot of punches with stuff like that. Re character relations can be bad with each other instead of always like, okay, hey, we're we should be friends because we're you know the last survivors of this thing. And instead, they still have animosity with each other. And I really appreciate that they managed to keep that going, even though you know Colonel Ty does come with uh, you know the, the white flag, basically like, hey, I'm sorry, you know this was my fault. I sh I shouldn't be such a jackass to you. And she and she's just straight like, nah, screw you. I don't care. I don't like you. Rosalind goes to see Adama in his quarters, and then Adama admits he was wrong, and that she was right, which I'm sure was a little tough for Adama, but, you know, he, he holds it pretty well together there. Rosalind kind of calls him out on the Earth thing, saying that uh, not even the president knew about their location of Earth, because it never came up, and if he didn't know about it, what are the chances you knew about it? It's like, okay. So Adama lied to give them something to live for and fight for, because it's... I think he's. I, th I think he had said that you you have to have something more than just to live. You have to have something to live for, and that absolutely makes sense because yeah, if you don't have something to keep going, it just eventually like how many people are you start losing to suicide or turning coat to the Cylons? Like hey, if I if I come uh, turn in the fleet's location, will you spare my life? Because eventually you're gonna get somebody who does that. Rosalind does say she'll keep the secret, but she wants uh, his help in maintaining order. She'll be in charge overall, with Adama still being in charge of the military, which seems like a fair compromise, basically. Six tells Gaius they've escaped for now, but the Cylons are going to be unrelenting, and they are going to find them eventually. Six says the Cylons on board could be sleepers, acting normal until they're activated, and we get a bunch of jump shots to our cast as kind of the music is playing us out here. 
and they have a little time to finally kind of reflect on everything that's happened because it's been a busy like you know couple of days that they've experienced now with humanity mostly getting wiped out and then Adama goes to his quarters at the end of this and receives a note saying there are only 12 Cylon models and it's just sort of this oh shit what did we just get ourselves into so and also it's a little vague as like what does that mean there are only 12 Cylon models are there is that all total is that the as uh you know we've come to know them the skin jobs what does that mean are there only 12 of them period are there multiples of them what does that mean and I like how it's left vague to the humans so they don't really know but of course we find out pretty soon here so the Cylons have surrounded the outpost that the humans were at earlier with the ammo dump and everything there Dora was still there uh, looking pretty bad so turns out guys was right after all all he his uh, implication there was correct it just happens to be a luck of the draw thing guys was just trying to save his keister there and uh just happened to uh pull the trigger on the one round in the chamber effectively the doors are forced open and then some cylons come in and then we see multiples of six leobon and doral and they talk about needing to track down the cylons to finish them off or they're going to return to seek revenge which is a little bit of a human thing so there's uh, going back again to that thing of humans putting their sins on their children including the cylons and then we get the reveal that boomer is a cylon as well and that is how we end the miniseries with that bombshell of a revelation yeah this time around i was really surprised because i forgot that they revealed boomer in the miniseries i thought that was something that was revealed sometime in season one I mean, granted, technically speaking, the miniseries gets placed in with season one, but you know what I mean, like around the midpoint or something. I thought that was drug out a little bit longer than it actually was. Yeah, not the second uh, episode of sorts of the Battlestar reboot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought they would drag it out a little bit more, mostly because the locked room mystery type of story is very interesting. It always keeps that tension there. And it was just, nope, this is it. This is the one. And I thought that was very surprising. And actually, I know we talked about this a little bit before, but if this ended here, I would have been mad. Yeah. Oh, yeah, me too. I would have been more mad about this ending here than I would have about, like, wondering if, you know, Apollo was dead. Because at least that, um, Stephanie, as you mentioned, like, it would have been like, oh, something we talk about maybe for, like, a year, and then it just falls off the map, and then you come across it and think about it, like, 20 years later, like, oh, wasn't that interesting? I wonder whatever happened with that. I wonder why that didn't take off. Whereas this, it's like, holy shit, and then you're like, oh, that's it? Really? Seriously? Great, thanks. Yeah, if the miniseries hadn't been successful and hadn't gotten picked up for a full series... Um, taking the the whole of the miniseries, I would have been upset about that. And unlike with like Firefly, where everyone's like, "Oh, boohoo, it got canceled," blah blah blah. Um, I think Battlestar Galactica actually managed to show the potential that it had to be a lot more successfully than Firefly ever did. Because seriously, every time I watch Firefly, I'm like, it's a good show. It might have had potential, but it's really hard to tell with what we got. Yeah. Whereas. Um, and they had a lot more time than Battlestar did to get yeah, the thing they off do. the rail. That's the crazy thing is they had like, what, at least double the amount of time that Battlestar did to really show that it was going to be something successful. Mm-hmm. And I think that they managed to live up to that full potential and show why this really should be picked up as a full series in the miniseries wonderfully. To the point where if it hadn't been picked up, yeah, that would have, I would have been raging about it 20 years later, like a lot of Firefly fans are (laughs) still. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
there is something about that where the only series I think I've ever had that happen is the Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles, where it literally ends with John getting jumped into the future. And it's kind of like, uh, like, you know, in the middle of like, you know, the post-apocalypse, basically, uh, you know, <laughs> after Judgment Day. And it's and it just ends there You're like, oh, come on. <laughs> I mean, there are like hundreds of anime that never get a second season. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and they end on cliffhangers like that. That was its. Th- uh, that would have been its uh, third season if it got another season. So that's why I was a little mm-hmm. like, "Oh, come on!" Yeah, but I don't know. I don't really have much more to say on that other than I would have definitely been disappointed if I watched this miniseries and then never got more to it. Yeah. Thankfully, that is not a problem. Um, Also, so if for some ungodly reason you have been uh, listening to this and haven't taken the dive on Battlestar Galactica, you can watch it for free on Peacock at the moment. It is probably on there. I want to say indefinitely, but it's definitely on there for a while. And yeah, so if you were looking for a way to kind of binge along with us, that is the way to go. This series is a remarkable piece of television and it's going to take us a while to get through it. But you know, Honestly, I'm not really bothered by that fact because, frankly, this is my second watching and I am immensely looking forward to it. I actually watched this miniseries twice for this podcast just because of how much I liked it. I watched it once for the notes and then I watched it again a second time to sort of catch any little things I may have missed and just enjoy it for what it was rather than here's something I have to take notes on. Well, I think that wraps up the first part of this. So the next episode we're going to be doing, we're going to be getting away from Battlestar Galactica, and we're actually going to be moving on to another movie slash pilot thing, and that is going to be the Babylon 5 movie. Yay! I didn't know what one we were going to do next. Yay! It's Babylon <laughs> 5! Yay! I feel less ridiculous about mentioning it a lot in the last two episodes we've done of this now. <laughs> it almost seems like it was intentional. <laughs> no, not in the least. Of course not. Nothing we do ever has any point. It's the will of God. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Everything is going according to plan, Gaius. Yes. <laughs> Uh, come on, I'm not that Weasley. Jeez, Louise, I guess it thanks. should be his plan. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's weird that they gender their god. I don't know. <laughs> I don't, yeah. it's like the robots gender their god. Okay, that makes I'm, yeah. It, it was 17 years ago. Yeah, I guess you got to cut them a little slack. If, if it was made today, I guess I guess it would be something different. So anyway. So that will wrap up this one. As usual, go to patreon.com slash gamesandjunk. Over there, you can kick over $3. You'll get this podcast in a higher quality audio feed. You'll also get it earlier than everyone else does because we're going to be parsing these out a little bit more sporadically. And yeah, so if you do that, you'll get that. A catch-all podcast feed for all the podcasts we do on the network. And for $5 a month, you will also get a shout-out on the show. So for that, real quick, I want to shout-out to Vanessa Cahill, who was on our last episode, John Lucero, Alex Messenger, and Josh Carpenter for keeping the lights on over here and keeping my sanity as I manage four podcasts somehow and write about video games, too. I don't know why I do this to myself. Anyway, <laughs> so if you feel like kicking in a little bit to help us out over here, I would uh, greatly appreciate that, and uh, I'm sure my co-hosts would, too. Definitely. Yeah, I, thanks. Somebody finally agreeing with me. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, go ahead and go to Twitter, and you can follow the podcast over there at So Say We All Pod. If you want to uh, throw in any uh, thoughts you have about the show, about the shows we're going to be covering, and maybe you know add in some comments there. If, since we're going to be covering Babylon 5's movie, the first movie, because there's what five of those now, I think four, something five? like that. There's yeah. there's a lot of them. Two of them that are actually relevant to the series. The other three, I believe, are skippable if you want. Hey, there we go. Bonus material. There, bonus episodes. 
<laughs> Patreon bonus episodes. Anyway, it's going to take us a long time to get through these anyway, so let's just go ahead and not, not do that. But anyway, if you go to Twitter, uh, you can follow us at So Say We All. You can follow me at Jason Ariola. And Stephanie, why don't you go ahead and plug all the stuff you've got going on? Because I know you've got uh, more than just uh, your Twitter like I do, basically. Um, well, on Twitter, you can find me as Elcrea, A-L-K-R-E-A. Over there, I'm really sporadic about how often I use it, so I might go months not touching it, and then, oh my god, I won't shut up on it. <laughs> but I am typically just blabbering on about either my writing, because um, I am an aspiring author and hope to be published within the next year or so. So I'll be babbling on about my writing very frequently, um, that's usually how you can tell I'm actually writing is because I'm posting on Twitter also. Uh, but sometimes it delves into either Sailor Moon chatter or uh, political tirades. Uh, otherwise, where I am actually more frequent is over on Instagram uh, as Witches Teacup. Uh, and over there, I do tea and coffee reviews and pretty pictures and things like that. It's mostly focused on hot beverages, but occasionally I do food and things, too. You've got quite a bit more going on. Well, I mean, I guess I've got all these podcasts. It's just weird to plug all my other podcasts on a podcast. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess I should do that, but whatever. And which is it's spelt as a singular plural. Um, yeah, it's not. A uh, singular possessive, rather. It's not plural. So it, it looks like poor grammar, but it's not. I just can't put an apostrophe in a screen name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, one of the faults there of that uh, platform, or any of the platforms for the most part. But I'll actually just go ahead and I'll, I'll link it in the show notes. So there, if, you, uh, if you've been hey, listening to this you. spiel, uh, it will be in the show notes. So there, there's that. <laughs> um, Franny, uh, you do some cosplay there as well. Do you want to go ahead and uh, plug your cosplay or anything like that? Uh, yeah, I guess. It's kind of hard to cosplay in this current cos climate where uh, just, you don't really go anywhere. So. <laughs> why, so, uh, why, Freddie? But, what, what climate are you talking about? What, do you, what could you possibly mean? What could possibly be affecting this stuff? I've, I've pretty much been not going anywhere. <laughs> I mean, I straight up didn't plug my cosplay uh, company here, so <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, you guys have, you guys have done previous work, so you can always plug your previous work too. Yeah, well, I, I could, but I guess I'm on Twitter and Instagram as Ceratopian. It's uh, it's like a the scientific word for Triceratops, like the genus, except not ceratopsian it's just ceratopian and it's just on instagram and twitter and i guess on twitter i post more whatever i happen to be doing because like i i have like crafting add so like i do this and that i think the last thing i did was um i made a music box version for a gotcha game i'm playing so oh. <laughs> it, yeah I, I and and this morning i, I made like doll eyes out of resin so that was fun <laughs> yeah so uh i guess I, I i don't know if that seems interesting don't worry Freddie. if um you know if people people are listening to a podcast about a 13 year or 17 year old uh a sci-fi show don't worry about it we're okay <laughs> Okay. They come. They come for the personalities. Don't worry about it. So, anyway, um, I, as far as that goes, I think we're wrapped up with the show. So, until next time, um, uh, um, how do I take this thing out, guys? I don't know. <laughs> I'm still learning. So say we all. Yeah, there we go. Thanks, thanks, Commander Adama. <sighs> I'll I'll get tired of doing that eventually. Uh, well, we've got it recorded for prosperity, so that's all good there. <laughs> so say we all.
So say we all. So say we all. So say we all. So say we all. So say we all. So say we all. So say we all. Dismissed. <laughs> <laughs>